Today, like I said, today we're going to do a couple of things. Um, we are going to uh, review a little bit of ministry from last year and what happened, and we're going to set the course for our coming year. Um, if you're watching online, I saw the link to the um, online version, the digital copy of our annual report in the comments below. Uh, if they're not there, I was looking, sometimes they disappear and you can't get back to old comments. Just say again and um, Cheryl will re post that so that we can make sure everybody gets to, gets to follow along. Oh, they'll also be on the screen too, so a lot of it will anyway. Um, so get your annual reports out. Um, we're going to start um, on page two, page two, page one and two. Um, there, uh, the biggest goal I had for 2023, especially with the, uh, the teaching, uh, was to dig deeper into some things that I think we often have a tendency to overlook. Um, in 2022, That TV like disappeared too. Those did too? Oh, great. I, you know, I always comment like every now and then I'm like, boy, you know, I haven't had trouble getting the TVs to connect to the computer in years. And that's when I, you know, you, you jinx yourself. Um, if you're, you're online, you probably didn't notice it. Maybe you did. I don't know. Um, but um, the biggest goal I had for 2023 was to dig into those things uh, that we sometimes overlook. In 2022, my goal was just to kind of revisit some really basic elements of our faith and kind of bring those back in. So uh, the, the year after, it made sense to go a little deeper. Um, we started the year by looking at spiritual gifts um, in a series we called Formed, and I specifically went to ones that we tend to overlook. Um, there are so many dedicated Christians to whom things like uh, taking a proper Sabbath, confessing sin, fasting, to, to, there's too many, to too many of us, those things are foreign. And um, yet there are ancient practices taught within the pages of Scripture that can be useful tools for us to grow closer to Jesus. And um, ignoring so many spiritual practices is like a plumber trying to do his job um, with only a quarter of the tools in his toolbox. Um, it's going to make slow work for a lot of stuff. It's going to be more frustrating than it has to be. And you're going to get to a point where you reach an impasse and you just can't grow or you can't progress with the, the task at hand because you don't have the proper tools. Spiritual practices are some of those tools. And it's silly for us to ignore some of the things that have been regular parts of Christians' lives for centuries until the very, very recent future. Um, another series we did was we went through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. I loved seeing how carefully each one built on the one before it so that Jesus could show us what our hearts and lives uh, were meant to be, the hearts and lives of his followers were meant to be. I, I, I thought it was so powerful um, as I worked through it and as I studied it. Um, and actually that led a lot to... Um, why we're going through Matthew this year, as just the whole book of Matthew. That's part of the reason why, um, which, spoiler alert, um, in a few weeks we're going to get to the Sermon on the Mount and to the Beatitudes, and we're going to skip those since we just did it like six months ago. So if we get to that and you go, I was wanting Beatitudes, you can watch all that stuff. It's on our website. Those sermons are still there. Everything is still there. Um, two sermon series we did last year, I had been on my wish list for a long time. Um, I have a couple documents that I use for like sermon planning over the years. And um, uh, living in exile right up there, it has been a note on the side of this document for years. Because um, I heard a guy named David Kinneman years ago. He's the uh, president of Barna Research. They do Christian and church research um, to kind of help Christians kind of stay up to date with what's going on in our world and our country. Um, and he mentioned that uh, the phrase digital Babylon 
saying that we are kind of exiles in our own land in that um, our, our culture is changing so fast. Christians had for the longest time been kind of the majority and the policymakers and the power brokers in our community. And then all of a sudden that changed rapidly and we didn't know how to handle it. And that Christians needed to become and learn how to live as exiles um, where they were. And so it made sense to dig into the lives in scripture of people who live, lived through exile or preparing for exile. And so we did Daniel and Jeremiah for that series. And the other series that was rolling around for a long time was the going through the five offerings of Leviticus. Um, again, not the most exciting thing for people to want to naturally dig into. We tend to, again, gloss over Leviticus or read it to say we've read it, but we don't look to it as something that's going to apply much to our lives. And I wanted to dig into these ancient offerings, which seem so foreign, and show that there are principles of faith in those offerings that have carried us through the centuries of faith that still apply to our lives as Christians today. Um, now, if you look on page three, uh, we've had a pretty decent year attendance-wise. Uh, what's funny is, when you look at the total attendance on, on, of the graph on page three, um, when you add up, um, the green is uh, in-person attendance, the green kids' attendance, um, and the black is projected online attendance, and these are average for the whole year. Um, when you add all of that together, 2023 and 2022 were the exact same um, in total attendance, uh, but you'll notice we had way more on, um, in-person and less online, um, which uh, that seems to be the trend. We're getting more in-person and um, online. P people who had been um, just camping out online um, seem to be there less and less and making their way in person a little bit more and a little bit more. And so I think that's a good trend to see more people coming to spend in-person time with their community of faith. Um, because one huge element of faith is the community. I, I don't know, our world has become so individualistic and it's all about me and myself and I that we forget we were made for community. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think there's a loneliness epidemic. You, I've read so many articles on people saying that our culture has a loneliness epidemic and the younger you are, the more likely you are to, have, to be a part of this epidemic. It's because we were made for community and Jesus gave us the church family so that we would have people to walk this difficult road of faith with and road of life with. And now, if you're watching online, um, that's not to knock you at all. And if you spend the majority of your time watching online, again, that is not bad. We're so glad that you're here. Um, but I do think if you t attend majority online, I think it's important that you realize you need to do a little extra work into intentionally reach out to people in your church family so that you can have those connections through phone calls, video calls, emails, texts, whatever it is, because you need community. And if you're only watching online, you might be missing that important detail of faith. Now, again, um, these numbers are all averages. We had Sundays that were higher, Sundays that were lower. They don't tell the full story. Um, if you go one below that graph in your in your uh, um, reports, I did like a month by month average. These are averages just for uh, each month of the year. Um, we, one thing that's interesting is um, we don't tend to have as much of a summer slump. I've always had some churches say, yeah, oh man, summers, everybody's gone. And, and um, we have not consistently seen that. Randomly, we'd have a year with that. Um, but the last couple of years, we've had a very defined summer slump. And again, that might be after a year and a half of being locked in our houses, we were like, doggone it, I'm taking some vacations. I'm getting out of here, and, and so maybe that's just something we're going to see moving forward. Um, but we had higher highs and lower lows than some of those um, 
the, the year average kind of seems to say. And even um, in 12 out of the seven months, we had higher attendance um, than if you compared it to 2022. So in most of the year, we were up on attendance, um, but the lowers were a little bit lower when the peaks or when those valleys um, hit. Um, now, We've added some new members this year, um, and we have a few more that are in the process of becoming members. Um, but the ones who have completed the process, new members for 2023, are, are Ryan and Rachel England up here, and uh, Jenny and Sydney King, who aren't here today, but they have become members in the last year. Um, and then we had a couple ladies get baptized. We had Emily Kinner, if you were here last week, we saw the video. And also Harper Clark was baptized at LSCA, uh, one of the reasons why we're really thrilled for their partnership in ministry all the time every year. And so that growth is really exciting to see. I love um, being a part of those stories. Um, I love it even more when I'm not the one baptizing them. Not because I don't love baptizing them, but I love um, when family members and other Christians can come along and empower that and own that, that role um, in someone's life. And to be honest, I'm, I'm not going to be the most powerful spiritual uh, force and leader in these people's lives. They have family members and friends and people that they meet at camp that have had played these pivotal roles. And so I am more than happy to stand aside and let um, other people kind of own their faith and live out their faith in that way. Um, another place where we see things being pretty strong is with our financial, um, our financial footing um, on page four. You'll see the total given to our church in the last year um, was $185,139.47, which is um, so something I'm so grateful for. We have so many generous people. Um, if you look right below that, um, if you look at just the giving history year over year, you'll see we've been pretty consistent um, for the most part. Um, we have you know, stayed at that you know, one 80 mark for a long time and been a little above, a little below, but right always there. Um, one thing our church has always had an, a great faithfulness in is with giving. Um, we have been on strong financial footing the entire time I've been here. Uh, the church was set when I showed up, and we've tried to keep it that way as best we could. Um, and we have just so many faithful and generous givers, um, which I think, again, isn't just like a, hey, look at money. I think that says something about the spiritual state of things, um, because when you choose to be radically generous, that's not always an easy thing to do, uh, because we have bills and worries and concerns and things going up and things going down, and gr groceries are a million times more expensive than they used to be, and gas is expensive. Everything's just way more expensive, and so uh, it's easy to be like, I have these worries and these fears financially, an easy place to take it away is from an offering and to put it towards that to alleviate our, our fears um, and to feel more secure. But to give, you actually have to make that choice saying, no, God is going to take care of me. I'm going to trust him with my future and with my standing. And that's a, a difficult step to take for a lot of people. And if, for so many who have taken that in our church, is an amazing thing uh, to see. Um, and so that's just, that's just um, again, been a joy every time. Um, I've talked to a lot of ministers who are constantly, you know, having budget meetings and worrying about stuff, and we've never had that problem, and that's just been something that God has blessed us with. Um, and to see so many people have surrendered their lives to God in that area is a beautiful thing. Um, and it's just a consistent, um, amazing testimony, I think, every year that we are able to um, have enough to pay our bills, to 
help people in our community who come to our church for assistance, to help people in our church family, um, to support mission partners. We've, we've always been able to do that, and that's just been a beautiful thing to do. Um, and speaking of giving to missions, if you go to the very bottom of page four, um, we see that um, how much we've given away this year to either missions or benevolence. Um, we gave uh, $27,310 and a penny. And um, our goal every year is um, to look at what comes in and to send back out at least 12% of that. And this year we got to 14.8% of all of that 185,000 of offerings that came in. We, we were able to send 14.8, almost 15% of that back out into um, the community, some here in Loami, some across the world, um, some in Illinois, some to people just who needed help with bills. Um, there was a lot of um, ways that we were able to help people with that. Um, and another thing that you're not going to see in this report, because I, I cut it out and I'll explain why, is one really cool thing that happened this year that um, you could see it as just a very transactional, worldly thing, or you could see it as God providing for us. Um, we got new roofs on every building on the property, parsonage, garage, little shed, and the church, essentially for free. Um, we, that's one thing we'd been talking about is leadership every so often. We hadn't had any leaks. Nothing had been really like breaking down except for the little shed. It had a hole in it that we didn't know from a branch. Um, but um, church has been fine. The parsonage has been fine. But we all knew like, you know, eventually shingles give up their life. And so we're getting close to the lifespan of these roofs. And then that storm went through in uh, June and we called the insurance adjuster. They came out like, oh yeah, we're going to get you some new roofs. And so, um, we just got new roofs on every building on the property for completely free. And you could say, okay, yeah, insurance does what insurance does. Um, or you could, doggone it. Or you could say, hold on, it's going to flicker and come back. There we go. Or you could say, no, eh, there we go. Um, or you could say, you know, God saw that that was going to be a huge monumental expense because <clears throat> the cost of it all was $86,500. It's a lot of, lot of work, a lot of money. Um, and you could say, God just wanted to give us a bright and shining symbol. Hey, I'm taking care of you. I'm, you, keep ta you keep taking care of people, I'll take care of you. Um, so that was something that happened this past year. And so I took out all of the insurance money coming in. I did not count that in our offering attendance that you saw. Um, I didn't count it in any of the expenses that are on um, the next page, on page five. I didn't count it in any of that because it would, like, if you um, when Don hands out our financial reports, it was like income, income, income. And then in the middle of the year, we're like, boom, where well, we got that giant insurance check coming in. And so it just really threw things out of whack if you're looking at our standard normally how things happen around here. Um, um, and so then on page five, you can see account balances and the spending breakdown um, as well. All, all, again, account balances are pretty similar to what they have been. They've eked up a little bit over the year, um, which is good. We try to not, you know, Spend our money foolishly. Um, and if you have questions about any of this kind of stuff that has happened through the year, anything that's going on, anything I've talked about, anything I haven't talked about, um, myself and the elders will stick around after the service if you have any questions at all um, about any of that stuff. Um, and then on page, uh, pages 6, 7, and 8, you'll see a list, lots of volunteers. Um, and I would love to confidently say that this is all the volunteers, but I, I don't know. I, in fact, I do know that it's not. Um, they, we have so many people doing so many things um, that I know that I missed somebody who did something throughout the year. And um, I really tried. So if you don't find yourself on that list and you did something, 
please do not be offended. In fact, count it as a good thing that we have so many people serving and helping in so many different areas that it's hard to track. I think that's the better way to look at it. Um, now, you'll notice some people's names are on there several times, as some people are so generous with their time and energy. Um, and it's just a wonderful gift to our church family um, when you serve and to our community when we do events in the community when you serve. And it's good for you. Um, we were made to be people who served. And it's one of those um, spiritual practices, believe it or not, serving. And whether you're greeting or running sound or um, serving communion, those are that's that's. A spiritual practice where through that Jesus is trying to shape you away from the brokenness of the world, which has shaped us to be selfish, and into being more like him where we can selflessly give our lives away. That's what he intends us to be. And, and plus, um, if you come on a typical Sunday morning um, and you just watch the people that serve in the service, you're still going to not see everybody because so much happens behind the scenes. You're only seeing a handful of our volunteers um, if you're coming just on Sunday mornings. Um, so thank you to everybody who served in any capacity this year. It's been a blessing for that. Um, and um, as I think as you look through the, the report, I, I was encouraged as I put together the numbers. I thought things looked fairly well. Again, total attendance doesn't go up, but we're getting more people in person, which I think is a valuable form of connection. Um, and I think the, the general good state of things reflects something that I have been noticing just as I've been um, seeing people Sunday in, Sunday out, and through the week and all of that. Um, I have noticed just a, a greater desire for growth almost across the board with so many people. Um, I've had more comments um, talking with people after the service or before the service, um, showing that people were engaging more deeply with sermons and with scriptures. Um, people had more questions or like, hey, what about this? And comments and, and discussions came out of that stuff. Just people were wanting a little bit more and wanting depth. Um, we've had more volunteers than we've had in a long time, which shows faith being put into action. Um, I've had more people come to me for counsel throughout the year, people who wanted to know how to put their faith into action in various life circumstances. Uh, sometimes it was um, one of those moments where I know what Jesus wants me to do, but it's hard, and I just, like, I need somebody to, like, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Like, you know, that little bit of encouragement that we need. Um, and then sometimes it, it was life is messy, and I'm a little unclear what the godly thing to do is. And I've had people come to me for both of those. And I think, again, that's a good sign, wanting to learn how to live out their faith in a more real way. And maybe I've got my heads in, head in the clouds, but I generally th genuinely think that God is giving us a greater hunger. Um, he's growing a hunger in us. And that's the second reason why I wanted us to go through the book of Matthew this year, because I thought, if people want to grow closer to Jesus, what better way than spending more time in the life of Jesus, seeing how he lived and spoke and acted and walked and, and how he conducted himself around all kinds of people. Because what Jesus came to do is he came to launch the kingdom of God, he came to bring about the kingdom where he will be king and ruler over all things. He came to bring about a kingdom that would eventually overtake all nations, all kingdoms, all empires. Meaning that Jesus' ultimate plan is to rid the world of national borders, political viewpoints, and other governments except all of those that are 
his and his alone, that are submissive to his authority. Jesus will be ultimately the ruler of all things, and all things will perfectly fall under his authority, and he will rule and reign forever. In his kingdom, there will be no evil. There will be no sin. There will be no one who even desires to go against the goodwill of our king, Jesus. He came to usher in, to launch, to kick off this kingdom on earth, his kingdom. And he talks about it constantly. Matthew, I think more than all the other gospels, really highlights Jesus' focus on bringing in the kingdom. Um, Matthew records Jesus using the word kingdom 49 times in his book. Um, We'll go through a few. Um, When Jesus first started preaching, kind of kicking off his ministry, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are used interchangeably um, in many places. Um, Jesus was constantly letting people know, okay, there's a new kingdom, and it's going to be different than anything you've ever been a part of. He wanted to show us that his kingdom was going to operate on a whole different scale, whole different power structure, whole different set of values than the world would expect. Um, In Matthew 5.3, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the confident power brokers, not the ones with the biggest might, the biggest armies, not the strongest people, the most savvy politicians, but the people who knew of their brokenness and wanted to be better. Those are the ones who would enter the kingdom of heaven. And in the wor- and from the worldly perspective, those are the people that get overlooked. In Matthew 5.20, He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's like, unless you're more righteous than the most righteous, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That was a statement that would have stopped people in their tracks, and they'd been like, oh, wait, what now? How is that possible? It was a way to throw people and make people start thinking, what sort of kingdom is this going to be? He talks about prayer. He teaches on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says the first thing we should pray for, pretty much, is that God's kingdom would come more and more and more. Um, Matthew 6, 9 through 10, he says, pray like this then. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught that above any other desire on earth, our, his followers, the people who want to live with Jesus and love Jesus, the thing we should want more than anything is to seek after his kingdom. And a little bit later, in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these other things. Any, those other desires you have will be added to you. So Jesus almost never stopped talking about the kingdom of God and how it was at hand. It was here, it was now, and he came to establish it. But you may have noticed that there are still a lot of other nations on the world. You might have noticed if you look at a map, there's not just roads, there's a lot of borders and countries. And you've probably um, had run-ins at some level with a government that wanted you to pay taxes to them. And that wasn't... You don't, you know, the IRS doesn't work for the kingdom of God, and you've got pulled over by police that don't work for the kingdom of God. And so, you know, there's still other nations around, and you've probably also noticed there's still a lot of that evil stuff in the world. So if Jesus came to bring about this kingdom, why isn't it here yet? Why does it feel like it's so often missing from our lives? Well, that's because we live in what many smart scholars call the already but not yet time of Jesus' plan. Um, What that means is that when Jesus came the first time, 
He came to bring his kingdom, meaning it is already here, it is already going, but he has not yet brought the entire world under submission to his ultimate authority. So he has yet to fully redeem humanity to cast out all evil from his kingdom. But even though Jesus promises that his kingdom is not already fully here, he definitely did start the kingdom. Because what we are taught in scripture is that when you and I as believers, when you and I as Christians decide to follow Jesus, give our lives to Jesus, when we place our allegiance into him above all else, what that means is that when there's a priority conflict between Jesus and anything else in your life, Jesus wins. He comes out on top. When you give your allegiance to Jesus above all else and you determine to follow him in his footsteps, to live as he lived and love as he loved, that God redeems us and makes us citizens of his kingdom. So even though the kingdom of God is not fully in control of all things, does not fully have the authority, has not brought every person under its submission and control, wherever Christians diligently, enthusiastically, and seriously devote themselves to Jesus, there you find a bit of God's kingdom. And so we live in this in-between space where we are citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of Jesus, but we are still waiting for the final version of this glorious kingdom. And so in this in-between space, um, what Jesus is doing in us and through us, and the reason why he sent his Holy Spirit to come into our lives and give us strength to change and transform, is because he's trying to prepare us to be citizens of his final kingdom. He's trying to shape us into the kind of people that will fit into his eternal kingdom. Uh, we talk a lot about um, Jesus' saving work. We talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and the, the transformation that needs to take place in our lives as Christians. We talk about that kind of stuff all the time. Um, well, the reason why is because if we still have sin in us, that we don't fit in what God is coming to do. The more sin we have in us, the less we fit in the kingdom that God is coming to bring. He wants us to fit in his new kingdom. He wants us to be able to be good citizens of his coming kingdom. And so um, one way to think of it, 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 the work he's trying to do in us. Um, when um, I had a bunch of friends in Bible college, and a lot of them went on to be missionaries in various parts around the world. And before they had to go be missionaries, they had to go to like some sort of boot camp almost, um, where they had to learn how to be citizens of this new country they were going to be moving to, right? Um, sometimes that required uh, years of language education. Uh, they also had to learn um, what um, customs were common in that culture. Uh, for instance, I have a, a friend who, uh, they're missionaries in Myanmar, currently living in Thailand because of the upset in Myanmar. But both countries have a, um, during the monsoon season, they have water festivals, like the people just outside dumping buckets of water on strangers and each other. Like, what a hoot. Like, it looked really fun. We don't do that kind of stuff here. Like, and it would be easy if I walked over there and I'm just walking down the street getting off the plane and someone dumps a bucket of water on my head, I'm going to be mad. Like, but there it's like, no, that's like, welcome, welcome into the culture. We're glad you're here, right? And so they had to learn the customs and they had to learn what's taboo. So they don't just walk in um, and offend everybody in this new culture. Believe it or not, offending the people you're trying to reach for Jesus, not a great tactic. And so, um, like for example, if you were going to a part of the world that was primarily Muslim, you would have to learn to have an additional level of reverence for the scriptures. Um, not just 
um, the words on the pages, but the physical book itself. You know, it's not uncommon to see somebody walk into church and just kind of lean over and like toss their Bible that last like couple inches into the pew. To somebody who's um, Muslim, that's disrespectful. You are mistreating the holy scriptures of God. They revere that book. They don't mistreat it. They set it carefully in places. And so if you walk in and just toss it, you, they're like, why should I listen to you? You don't even care about the message that you teach. And so that's something you would have to learn and adopt into the way that you live. And so they have to learn in one sense before they go out into these other countries, they kind of have to learn in one sense how to be a little bit less American and a little bit more shaped into the culture that they are going into to reach. And so in a similar way, what Jesus is doing in the here and now, in this in-between time of the already but not yet, is he is trying to shape us into being good citizens of his kingdom. And so our lives in this moment should be constantly spent pursuing Christ's likeness so that we can be good and honorable citizens of his kingdom above all else. And that means that we may have to leave behind attitudes and behaviors that we've adopted our whole life that everybody says is okay because they just don't fit with the way Jesus calls us to live. Um, Two that um, I think we have a really hard time with. Um, We want to hold grudges and we want to get revenge. We We want to see somebody get what's coming to them. We love that, okay? Um, But Jesus' story isn't one where he wants to give people what's coming to them. He wants to give them grace. And so our culture's obsession and love with, I'm going to be mad at you forever. I'm going to cut you out of my life. And if something bad ever happens to you, I'm going to call everybody one of my friends and cheer about it. You know, that's, that's just so opposite of the kingdom of God. And we've got to break that hold and, and be more made into the image of Christ so that we can be ready for his kingdom because that kind of attitude has no place there. And so as we... Um, Let ourselves be shaped by the work of Jesus. We must not be too in love with earthly nations, with earthly political ideas, with earthly ways of thinking, because we are already citizens of a higher and greater kingdom that will one day be the only kingdom. You'll notice if you read um, the book of Revelation, the idea is like, if you don't want to follow Jesus, it's very clear, you find yourself on the outside. You're either with Jesus, you either want to be more like Jesus, or you want to be apart from him. Those were the only options given to us. And the picture is that Jesus' kingdom is going to be so much more beautiful, so much more joyful than anything we've ever known before. And so my challenge this year, as we look at the book of Matthew and as we work through um, this beautiful gospel, my challenge to you is to truly seek transformation, to be like, I'm not a citizen of this world anymore. I'm preparing myself for a greater and better citizenship, a greater and better land to live in, and that we must truly surrender to being made in the image of Jesus. And I think the way you can do that this year is you can um, pay attention as we look through the actions of Jesus and the words of Jesus and the stories of Jesus. Pay attention to what Jesus values. Pay attention to what he condemns. Don't assume that the things he condemns, that you don't have any of that in your life. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, is that I found it so helpful to ask, how am I like the bad guys in the story? And I've been really unpleasantly surprised by how often I'm more like the bad guys in the story than the good guys in the story. It's a very shaping exercise. Um, It's good to go through these stories and ask, do I love what Jesus loves? Do I hate what Jesus hates? 
Um, am I more like the people Jesus is condemning, or, or am I more like the, trying to be more like the people Jesus celebrates? Each story, you can see it as a tool that God wants to use to shape you into a better kind of human. And that's my challenge every week as we go through the book of Matthew. Um, in addition to sermons, I'm going to just mention briefly something that we um, put out last year um, to just help us kind of use as a tool to keep us properly formed. Um, for a year now, we've had that decal out on the wall as you come in. It's been there just long enough that you don't see it anymore, right? So this is why I'm mentioning it. We've had our discipleship pathway right out there by the window on the wall outside my office. It's too small to read. I absolutely know that. Um, but this is just kind of our way of, of saying, are we really doing all the things that Jesus wants us to do? And you can um, use this as a sort of tool to help you kind of gauge your life, make quick, like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm not really doing anything to make an impact. I'm not serving, and apparently that's supposed to be a big part of life, so that means I'm neglecting a part of growing like Jesus that I need to be. Or are you um, missing out on weekly worship or biblical teaching at the green section, at the connecting? You're supposed to be connected to your church family. If you're not doing that, that probably says you're missing an element of faith. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to spend time diving into Scripture with each other and wrestling through the difficult passages and, and helping to find the ancient messages in its pages. And if you're not doing that, if you're not growing in that way, you're probably missing something. So this is a tool to kind of help us quickly gauge, am I doing these things? And um, the reason it's a circle is because you never get through it. It's, again, it's a lifelong process of being shaped by Jesus, being discipled by Jesus, and following Jesus. Um, now, I'll zoom in on these just real quick so you can get a quicker um, view, and it still might be hard to reach. I've, I've gotten to the age where I can barely read those from my distance back here. Um, you know, I've, yeah, don't cheer, that's not fair. Um, you know, I've always been so proud that I'm the only person in my family who does not wear glasses. And Abby, who used to be blind as a bat until she got LASIK, um, I always used to give her a hard time. And so she also rubs it in now that she'll catch me like doing this every now and then at something. She loves it. So don't, give, don't encourage her. She doesn't need any more, uh, any more of that. Um, but um, we're supposed to connect our life to Jesus. That's part of who we are as Christians. And you can't have a connection with Jesus, again, apart from his church, at least a proper one. Um, it was very common when I was growing up to hear people say, I don't have to be, go to church to be a Christian. I think that's technically true, but I don't know how far down the path of being transformed into Jesus you can do it on your own. Um, we were meant to have people together to help us see our blind spots, call out our sin, to encourage us, to lift us up when we feel down and broken and defeated. We were just meant to have that. And so to connect with Jesus properly means connecting with his church. And ways you can connect to Jesus in his church, um, first off, when you become a believer, we get baptized, um, uniting your life with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, you can come together as often as we meet. We're here every Sunday. We don't even close the doors when it's real cold outside um, or turn off the internet when it's real cold outside. You can join us either way. You can be here week, on a weekly basis to worship our amazing God and be shaped by biblical teaching. Um, when it comes to growing, as believers, um, we, again, we're not supposed to trust our knowledge, our wisdom, our ways of thinking. Um, I'm sorry, but the ways that we look at the world are trash. They're garbage, and, they, and we need them to be reshaped like Jesus and the wisdom of God. Um, so many things that I naturally accept as right are not right, and I'm still being shaped, and I'm hoping every day that God will work that out of me. It's so funny. I've been coming so aware just in the last year 
I'll look back on things I wrote, things I said, because in my, you know, being a preacher, I have so many records of my opinions over the years, um, and I'm just like, I can't believe I used to think that or think this, and it, I was, like, there were things I was so aggressive about and so, like, confident in, and that, I've lost a lot of that. I'm, I'm, I'm rarely confident about certain things anymore. Um, I, I don't feel the need to be aggressive with much of anything, and, like, I'm so more, um, I, God's made me more gentle, I'll say it that way. Um, and so we don't need to trust our way of thinking. And so as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we also grow in our relationships with the people in the church family. Um, one way you can do that, get in a growth group so you can sit and actually chat with people, have food and drink some coffee or something else and learn what's going on in their lives and have them learn what's going on in yours. All the while, working through Scripture, working through the Bible, having um, the ability to ask how Scripture connects to your actual life. And then we're also supposed to be making an impact. Every believer um, is um, given gifts and skills and talents and abilities and to, to pour those out for the world. We're meant to be um, like a pitcher. We just, we're, we're constantly, whatever Jesus fills us up with, we pour that out for other people. Um, we're not here to fill other people up. We're just here to give, out, give away what God has given us to give away. And there's so many ways that you can serve and make a difference in our world. Some in our church, some not in our church. So... Um, this isn't meant to be a scary, overwhelming thing. I know there's a lot on this particular sticker, but if you sit and think about it for a minute, I really don't think it's overwhelming if you just say like, okay, I'm supposed to be living in all three of these areas. All of these are good for me. All of these help me remain a balanced believer pursuing Jesus in a more full and complete way. And so you can scan it quickly, see the areas you've neglected and the ones you need to invest in a little bit more. But if we want to be citizens of the kingdom of King Jesus, we must move away from living as citizens of the sinful human world. We must be ready to put away our worldly ways of living, worldly ways of thinking, and start living as citizens of this kingdom. Because it's not just something that's one day coming, it's already here. We're already a part of it. If you are a believer, you are already a citizen of the kingdom of God. I love the way the Apostle Paul tells it to the Colossian church in the opening chapter of Colossians. He says, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So once Paul heard that this church was going well, he said, we started praying for you. And what would you pray for, Paul? He said, we asked that you may be filled with, all, with the knowledge of his will, God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, just so they could be smart? No, there's a reason we want them to grow and have this head knowledge and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to live a different way fully pleasing to him. Just so you know, if you come to church all the time, have perfect church attendance, can memorize scripture, and you pray every single day, but you're a jerk to a lot of people, that says you've really missed out on transformation. You've gained knowledge, you've gained information, but you have not achieved transformation. You have not submitted to the transforming work of the Spirit. So he wants their knowledge to turn into a lifestyle where they're living more pleasing lives. He says, fully pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints, meaning you've already been brought into the family of God. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. We've been transferred. Our citizenship has moved 
from the realm of darkness to the kingdom of God, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And so my hope for 2024, uh, for myself and for everyone here, is that we would learn um, to be as close to Jesus as we possibly can, that we would have a desire to follow as closely in his footsteps as we possibly can. And I just hope that you're eager to join me on this journey through the life of Jesus and to see what that actually looks like. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the chance you give us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's uh, difficult and it's tricky at times because we are so shaped by our world in ways we don't even see. And I just pray that you would help us um, to identify some of that stuff, to see where the wisdom of your um, ways um, really conflicts with the wisdom of our world and the wisdom we've been raised in. Challenge our beliefs this year. Help us to be more like Jesus. Challenge our lifestyles. Help us to be more like Jesus. Um, let us make difficult choices to say no to things that we love, things that we're familiar with, so that we can stop being so much citizens of this world and citizens of your eternal kingdom, uh, the kingdom that is and will win out in the end of history. And so we pray, Father, that as um, we study the story of Jesus coming to launch the kingdom, that we would be eager to be citizens of that kingdom and all that it means, that we would um, want to rid ourselves of the sin that you will one day rid your kingdom of, that we will want to grow as close to the sun that we will sit next to in your kingdom. So help us, Father, to, to make those choices this year. Help us to, um, to be diligent. It's so easy to start a year eager, and that trails off real quick. But help us to have a fire in us, a hunger in us to grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus, a hunger to submit to the work of your Holy Spirit in us so that we can truly experience real, measurable, noticeable growth in our lives, that we can see ourselves becoming more loving and kind. We can see our church family becoming more gracious and gentle. And I just pray that um, as this year goes on, that you would just, again, continue to shape us. Um, we are citizens of your kingdom, and we want to live like it. So give us all the help we, we need to do that as much as we can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our song is